can you put yourself out there and really start, you know, a business outside of academia? Because there is, you can teach and, and your knowledge can and does belong outside of journals and, you know, the four walls of your classroom. It absolutely belongs outside of journals. One hundred percent. Untested. Oh God! Get it out That's of the world. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode seven of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today's episode has Dr. Kate Brown joining us today. She is fascinating. I actually loved listening back to this interview because I was laughing the whole time. Um, and you can just tell our true connection and understanding of each other, and specifically the academic background and experiences that we've had, and then how it translates into entrepreneurship. So her journey is amazing. She studied circus history, went into studying circus history for her PhD, and then really like zoned in on freak show performers and um, and anti-diet culture and the stories behind that. So her history of her you know, research is like many of ours, uh, all, was always changing, but also getting more narrowed in on what she could do to, you know, move knowledge forward. And so she really focused on storytelling. And um, she mentions how that has helped her in her entrepreneurship journey. So we talk a lot about the ability to use our academic skill sets in this space. And so it was a great conversation. So let me give you a little bit um, of her bio so you can get an understanding of where she's coming from and what she does now. Dr. Kate Brown is a writer, a speaker, and a self-care advocate. She shares her research on diet culture history, inclusive fitness, and transformational visibility through her online project called Taking Up Space. Her work has been featured at Fit is a Feminist Issue, Mommy-ish, U.S. News and Refinery29, and she is the author of numerous academic publications on body-based autobiography. Kate also uses her PhD in rhetoric for good as the founder and CEO of Before and More, a brand strategy agency for changemakers. I wanted to also note that Dr. Kate Brown's interview is actually at a bar. <laughs> she was at a bar um, having a pint, uh, having a glass of beer uh, while she was recording this. And so you can hear a little bit of the background noise and she's on her iPhone and it actually sounds pretty fantastic. But I just wanted to just alert everybody of where the audio was coming from. And she actually was my very first interview. And I know I'm releasing it, um, you know, not as my first interview, but uh, I just wanted to point that out that the the bar background noise um, is something that Derek couldn't remove in the post edit. And so just a word of caution as you listen. Um, and, you know, I, hopefully that that's okay. But again, I didn't want to re-record this. I felt like it was a really great conversation. Welcome, Kate. We're so excited you're here. Uh, I'd love to start out with just talking about what you were doing before you decided to jump into entrepreneurship. So you can kind of, you know, tackle that academic journey that you took to set the stage. Perfect. Well, I'm, thanks for having me, by the way. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. And my entrepreneurship journey started, it was kind of at the end of my PhD process. Mm -hmm. I was finishing the writing and, and editing in late fall of 2016. And 
I had already, just by going to conferences and talking to people and the sort of online presence that I had built up through my project taking up space, I had I'd kind of gotten the bug after I did my TED Talk. Um, it was like, oh, oh I, I met people who had businesses. I was the only person from the TEDx that I did who did not have a business. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Why don't I? I'm If I'm here and I'm talking about my ideas and what I have going on, then why don't I have a business? So I started looking into it and it was really the the beginning of um, January of 2017 where I started thinking about what is my business? And it's been a really wild journey these <laughs> past months. And in fact, I just yesterday filed my uh, assumed name certifi- certification, certificate, yeah, whatever it is. So I am actually in business as of yesterday. Oh, well, but, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But up until now, I had just been sort of trying to figure it out. So even though, yeah. I, had a, even though I had a vision of what this business and what my journey was going to be, of course, right? We start out, I know what this journey is going to be, and it's totally different. Um, it, it's changed in some pretty unexpected ways. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So I, yeah. So I defended I my dissertation it. in March uh-huh. and have been doing both the entrepreneurship thing and the mm. alt-act thing. Alt-act, yes. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> so here's, I guess, let's, can we jump a little bit before, because I'm like, how did you decide to get to the TED Talk, right? <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you were passionate about in academia, what you studied, um, and yeah, almost that path of, I just, I would like to do a TED Talk because I don't know a lot of academics that have done TED Talks. And so I'm curious where that comes from. Well, sure. So I started my PhD program thinking I was going to study circus history. And I still do in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my PhD is in English. I was in the English program. And at my university, we are very focused on pedagogy. So it was the teaching mm-hmm. of life writing. And I thought that I would do that through circus history and the ways that women in circus wrote about their experiences as performers. And I wasn't so interested in the, you know, ingenue type acrobats. I was interested in the freak show performers because they used a very specific kind of, um, and it's something that, you know, having gone through all of this business training has come up again and again is the, the personal story and how to sell people yourself through a story and that's exactly what they were doing in the freak show so i started researching those stories and finding patterns and through that i i was also doing a a personal hero's journey of um coming away from diet culture and stepping into more of a body positive life and fitness and self-care world and these two things sort of came together for me because i realized that the same stories that we tell about personal transformations were the same things they were using in the freak show to sell the idea of the extraordinary. Mm. And when I, when I broke it down and say, like, Oh, that's they're They're using the story and they're using this convention to sell me personal growth. Weird. Mm. And so my dissertation took a different turn where I was studying weight loss success stories and I didn't have to, you know, the, the pedagogy of it, I always have to explain what that word means to people. But when I said I'm studying weight loss success stories, everybody went, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. I've been hurt by that. Or that's part of my life or some, you know, it's just been something I'm familiar with. And so I thought, 
maybe this was kind of the beginning really of the the kernel of thought that said mm-hmm. maybe this work has a more public presence Got and it. that's where the ted talk came in uh one of my colleagues did um her tedx talk the year before and said you'd be really good at this and i said uh yeah you're right i would be really good at this and i so i sort of built it from there so if you watch my ted talk you'll see that freak show circus history aspect of it as i describe how i came to fitness and that's kind of the intersection for me yeah, and that's where we met. Now I'm like, oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I was doing, um, you know, and this is our intersection of of like where we met in business. I was doing health um, coaching uh, early in 2016, so a year before Kate kind of really entered into another space that we'll get to. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, I, I thought I was doing health coaching, um, which I think is just a common... And, and, and we both connected in this academic background, like um, you know, anti-diet kind of culture and, and the way we wanted to present ourselves. So I had yet to make my first business pivot, uh, which came, I want to say, almost a month after when we met at this conference um, around Body Positive Fitness Alliance. So she, I think we became Facebook friends, and I think that's how you probably saw a little bit what I was up to, kind of. Yep. That's yeah, well. exactly awesome. what happened. Cool. Okay. So now I have a little, a better picture of that, like first, those, like, I don't know, the, the, the voice in the back of your head that's kind of questioning, you know, what am I actually thinking here? So I'd love to hear about maybe what that voice was telling you. So if you could take us back to the TEDx talk and, that the the oh my gosh everyone around me has a business um what did it feel like uh that voice that popped up and because for me there was a lot of doubt and questioning wait this isn't what i thought i was gonna do or this isn't what people with my background do or this is <laughs> right like this isn't what i yeah. worked for that was what my right. voice was saying mm-hmm. so i'd love to hear what it was like for you to go yeah i think i'm gonna try this yeah so your listeners who are probably academics or academic adjacent will appreciate this. I had gone to my first technology conference, the same, it was so serendipitous. It was the weekend we met. We met at a conference for Body Positive Fitness Alliance. And then the Uh very next day after that, I drove to my first technology conference in Orange County, California. And the atmosphere there was unlike anything I had ever experience in my life. I My concept and context of conference was <laughs> share a room with a fellow grad student and pack peanut butter sandwiches because that's all you're going to eat for the next week and spend no money and complain the whole time about how much money you don't have. <laughs> I'm I laughing went, because that's that you know, realization. You know. I know. Yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> so I go to this conference and because I should t- say too that my day job then and now, I shouldn't call it that. My uh, my primary income stream is mm-hmm. working for a university in um, IT. So, which is its own weird thing. I have an English degree and a theater degree, but I'm working in IT. Um, that's it. the power of teaching for you. We can talk there about you that go. later. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, they had sent me off to learn about the software that I was the brand administrator for. And 
food, drinks, entertainment. It was just <laughs> magical. And I thought, what is this? This is how, and everybody around me was like, this is totally normal. In fact, the food wasn't as good this year as it was last. So it's like, oh, it's cramming mini quiches in my mouth. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so that was one of the, that was the first spark. Mm-hmm. And then when I thought, well, what is possible? What am I missing? Being in academia, (laughs) when I went to the TED Talk, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we were hosted. So there was a dinner reception where we get to meet Mm. everyone and then the reception after and talking to all these business owners. And and they'd say, well, what do you do? And I'd say, I am a grad student. And (laughs) that was kind of the end of it where I'd ask them what they did. And like, well, I'm a, a transformative life coach and I help women level up their businesses by I was like, oh, that sounds great. What is that? Like, how, what makes you so special that you get to do this? Well, meanwhile, I'm slaving away in a windowless office grading papers all day. And it was one of those, like, from, there's this quote in The Simpsons that I love that's like, a guy like me? I'm a guy like me. <laughs> Wait, people, people like me can do this? Well, yeah, of course they can. So it was, it was there at the TED Talk that I, I realized that there, there's definitely was more and that mm-hmm. my credentials maybe didn't mean so much in this context because this was a, a business entrepreneur sort of thing, but they definitely had meaning. Yes. I lo- so that's so interesting because I've, you know, and, and it, what popped up for me as the sociologist, right, is like these circles that we put ourselves in um, where being a grad student, it's like, what school? What are you studying? Like who? You know what I mean? And, right, then, yeah. and then you you remove yourself from that environment and you meet other people and they don't give a right like they're like right, no. they're like cool like you sound like you're not doing anything like and <laughs> right. I, I there is there is something about being a grad student and how like all encompassing and all consuming it is and um you know i remember those days well um but it also felt like i only surrounded myself with people who got that because i didn't trust anybody else <laughs> um, right. so i love that you were in this different space as a grad student um and I'm sure that, you know, maybe my experience is not the only one, but I didn't have that like outwardly, you know, I was very around, surrounding myself with people who wanted to talk theory and like, you know what I mean? And just <laughs> over beers and stuff. And, and that's cool. And it was great at the time. But once you start to realize that, yeah, a conference and a public presence outside of academia doesn't actually have to feel scary. I, I think about conferences as an academic. It was just such a, oh, shit, am I going to say the wrong thing? Um, am I smart enough? Like, does anyone care about anything I'm, I can talk about? Uh, and all, you know, all that stuff going through our head. Not that at business conferences, it's so easy. But I think it's the, the energy is so different. There's people in a room who like have opportunity all around them. That's yeah, the different energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, it's not always like positive and perfect, but it is this energy of the next conversation I have could change my life forever. That's how I feel when I go to a, a conference. Oh, that's so good. Right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I, love, I love talking about this because I feel like the more academics I inter- interview around this, I'm going to start to see some of these like similar patterns. So I've never, I've never thought about, you know... Because I was never, I was never at a conference as an academic. That's the difference. You were like an academic really? representing it. No, I mean, I, 
I'm trying to think about oh, it. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess because not. I wasn't yeah, a, made a clean break. Right. I made a right. Clean break. Um, and mm. it's funny. Hmm. I mean, cause I, yeah. So I, we're going to get into my story in a different episode. It's probably going to precede this. So everyone knows now <laughs> why my story is different. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'll say that like, you know, that the, that the professor part of me was always just like, Oh, I, I'm a professor. And it felt and that was it. And that's kind of where it ended. Um, and then it was like, I'm doing this business. Um, but I wasn't going as an academic. So I think that is a little bit um, where we're different. Awesome. Okay. So, so, so you, you have lived this very, um, from what I'm, I'm gathering from this conversation where you're at now, you kind of straddle both at the moment. Um, so you haven't officially left, you know, academia, um, or you may not desire that. And I think we talked about it a little bit and we'll get, we'll get to that question, but I'm thinking I'd love for you to describe what online entrepreneurship is to some people who are listening that is like, this is interesting. I wonder what they're talking about. So if you could describe this culture, of course, the sociologist, uh, for people who have not have no idea about where you go to get your transformative life, you know, coach certificate, or what it's like daily on the interwebs for us as online entrepreneurs, I'd love for you to describe that. Oh my gosh, this is a great question because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, yeah, because I'm not I'm not a sociologist, but I am really interested <laughs> in mm-hmm. culture and how that mm-hmm. works. And what I've been thinking about is how um, myopic it can be, because uh-huh. just in the couple of months that I've been in it, lots of people travel the same circles. We know each other from different programs and groups, and it feels like when you're in it that everyone else in the world is also yep. in it. And they know exactly what things like opt-ins and funnels are. In fact, I just said to my friend, I I said, I'm doing a podcast interview. And she goes, with who? I said, oh, a friend from the internet. (laughs) And she said, well, what is, what is, well, what are you going to talk about? I was like, I don't know, funnels maybe. And she just had no clue. And I know that you know that even Mm -hmm. in this space, some people don't. The, the terminology is a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, yeah, of course we're going to talk about lead optimization and mm-hmm. opt-ins and whatever else we talk about. So it's just very, um, it's very kind of closed. And yes. I, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, how this can work in the real world. Um, mm. not, to, not to say, and oh man, I just did that thing where I said real world, like it wasn't yep. the real world, yep. like the way people say that academia isn't the real world. Mm. Um, but I should, <laughs> Look maybe, at where we found ourselves. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but how can we apply this to create change? Because the other thing is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, because I read the Facebook ads, of course, mm-hmm. um, it's entrepreneurs talking to other entrepreneurs about things like, oh, I don't know, how to reach people with your message. It's like, okay, that's cool. But how can we, in this space, reach more audiences and help other kinds of people get Mm -hmm. other kinds of messages out to other kinds of people? Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess, in a way that did not answer your question, um, how I would describe this this culture and this ecosystem um, is one of intense personal growth. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is personal growth unlike I have ever seen anywhere. Just a constant driving daily, minute by minute improvement push. 
(laughs) And I don't know whether that's good or bad or in between, but it's just very focused on that uh, in ways that other spaces I've been involved with have not been. Yeah. Oh, I love that you bring that up. I I had made that connection really recently where I was saying to Derek, who also is in... Uh, he has a PhD in physics. And so he and I are just like, what is, what is this world we ended up in? But I feel like I leap, make leaps and bounds in like... And in academic language, like in a semester, but we're talking about being an entire different person. It would be like lighting your course on fire and starting it over almost every semester. That's how quickly it moves. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how much I change as a person. Because I always felt as a teacher, I was constantly changing and bringing in outside things, but not like the whole ship at once or like, you know, I'm building it plank by plank in the middle of the ocean. Like... I mean, it, I think building a course is often like that, but more like Lindsay would never have guessed she would be like, you know, using this as an example in her lecture or something. Like that's mm-hmm. the I could think about what it feels like. And there's a whole bunch of academics out there who don't want to change anything for anyone and are totally fine with that. And that person I... I never associated with as a professor. So I think I've always leaned a little towards self-improvement and how can I make my class better? How can I make teaching better? How can I get closer to my students and help them more? I was always doing that. So I am curious as like more people start listening to this, you know, and being like, I'm intrigued by starting an online business maybe it's a type of professor that's going to come forward of somebody who's constantly changing things because I wasn't that professor that kind of kept doing the same thing over and over. But I also didn't stay in the game that oh, yeah. long. That's a whole other thing. But Well, I, like- I taught, you know, as a TA or, you know, just in my own courses as an adjunct, I, I, I would say over 15 different preps and they've all been different and they're never the same. Yep. I, and when I have to teach the same course twice, I get really cranky about it. <laughs> and even though I change the content and the way I teach every semester... Uh, it's still, it's like, man, I got to teach 101 again. I don't want to, I want to teach something else. And I think that that, that makes people cranky with me uh, Mm. as, as a professor and a colleague, because I am so interested in change. And I think Mm. that for me, um, entrepreneurship and online entrepreneurship, especially really um, was the home that I didn't know I needed because it, yeah, because it was, because the newness is not scary it's um it's expected and so Mm -hmm. when I say like I'm making a pivot or I'm changing something or dropping or adding or doing whatever people are like cool yeah of course you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's totally fine I mean even we talked about it a little bit but from where I was last in January to now is so completely different and I I tell people that I have a ready fire aim personality I just (laughs) I don't I don't care about how perfect something is or if it's perfect at all. I'm just going to do it and see if it works. And that makes some people, particularly professor types, um, very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> they do not like that. My dissertation committee was like, what are you doing now? And I kind of, I, I live in that space of in between. I'm never, ever happy just being in a place and that's why I'm kind of in English and kind of in theater and kind of in pedagogy and kind of in feminism and kind of in whatever because because I can't just be in a place I just love straddling the whole thing and trying to bring them together 
it's like an old cartoon where like they've got one hand on one iceberg and one on another and they're just trying to bring it together stretching yeah totally Wiley I, I, Wiley E. Coyote, that's a thing, right? From, <laughs> <laughs> like from Acme University. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit. I, we haven't talked so much about your business right now and, and how quickly it's moved. Um, I don't know. Tell us about some of the ups and downs and challenges and you know where you started, where you are now. Give us the lowdown of, of your biz that officially became an LLC the other day. <laughs> well, sole proprietorship, but still, proprietorship. it's got it's got a name now. That's what's important. Baby steps. Some, um, someone in the knows something that you exist. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, the county stamp is on it, so that counts. Um, yeah. So when I well, and that's why it's kind of taken me so long to get the officialness in place is because I thought, well, I was trying to think about all right. So people I know who have a business and they do a thing provide a product or service for people and that's their business. But then I think of other people who I, I aspire to be like, such as public intellectuals, where their business is going out and doing public speaking and writing. I'm like, well, are they a business? Who's a business? What's a business? <laughs> and just trying to figure out what that <laughs> was. Core questions. Core questions. <laughs> right? So I thought that my business was me going out and doing public speaking. And I was like, well, that's not really like, that's a thing I can do, but that's not really a business. And so in the first six months or so, when everyone, anyone would ask me, what's my business? I would start out well, which I know now is like the worst thing you can do to start out with hesitation or, or doubt. Um, but that's what I would do. I'd say, well, I'm kind of working on a thing and um, I don't know. And I, I finally broke down and visited my local small business development center and they asked me the same question. So what do you do? And I'm like, well, ah, shoot, <laughs> I did it again. And I eventually said, uh, well, what I want to do, what my business will be, and I started talking about, I want to help people, you know, that, that branding exercise that you always do. I want to help people do X, Y, Z. Um, and she was like, cool. Uh, my dad <laughs> has, has a remodeling company. And when people ask what he does, he says he remodels houses. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So what I'm doing is trying to explain to people the actual way I would go about designing and crafting the second wall in this room when really I should just say what I actually do. <laughs> so that was kind of a turning point for me, at least in thinking about it, which I think, I think was a really academic way of approaching this whole problem of what do you do is, well, here's the methodology right? which I approach my life. Like, you know, that's, no yeah. one cares about that. And it's not very clear. And no one knows what you do. Like, I, I wasn't in a better position explaining to people what I did then as I was when I was trying to describe to them chapter three of my dissertation. Like there's no, it was just not a good thing. Um, so I finally, I can tell you what I do. Uh, I help health and wellness professionals and self-care businesses reach their audiences. Yes. And so at its core, it's a, my before and more is what I'm calling my business. And I could talk to you about the metaphor about it if you'd like. I'm not sure. Yeah, if, please. You know, that's I think that's thing. fun. Um, so it does tie into what I do with taking up space and being a self-care advocate and speaker. Uh, mm -hmm. And it comes from this idea that we are so tied to the before and after story and the way that before uh, indicates that there was a lack or a flaw and mm -hmm. then after is flawless. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true. I think that when we're talking about personal transformation, whether it's in business or life or body, whatever it is, um, we're just before and more. We're taking mm-hmm. something that's already great and adding to it. So my metaphor for this, and it's in my, uh, I, was, I was looking at my arms one day. This is weird. I have uh, uh, swallow tattoos on my arms. Mm-hmm. And one of the birds is diving and one is soaring. And I thought, what a perfect way to think about transformation. There will be, there will be ups and downs and it, it does, you're still flying. You're still there. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just different kinds of seasons. So I was like, well, that's it. It's like, it's like origami paper is just fine by itself. <laughs> paper does a job, but when mm-hmm. you fold it, it becomes a little bit more than it was before. <laughs> so that's the guiding metaphor of my business. And I think that the next time I'm on anyone else's podcast and I say, can I tell you about the metaphor for my business? They will say, no, absolutely not. So thank you for holding the space for me to be able to tell this story. Well, here's what I love about it is we're talking about like both our journeys in business and and this idea that like you have to have it figured out day one in business to do anything. And it's like, nope, I've been before and more this entire time. So I was a health coach, but that before was so important to me to make the decision to do the next step in business and the next. And now here I am doing academics, doing what I did. And that's another and more for me. And so I haven't... And there's something about... And this is huge. This is a theme that comes up a lot is identity, right? So, and we've touched on it a little bit and you were kind of bringing up this notion of, you know, I've always been a pretty good straddler. Um, And so I'm curious, like, do you feel at odds at all with like your academic identity and a business identity? And like, what, what's like, what's that, what's going on in your head? Cause man, I could tell you about what's going on in mine. <laughs> yeah. It, it, sometimes it was, it was worse in the beginning of the year before mm-hmm. I sort of had it figured out, but now it's, it's less. Um, one of the things that helped me uh, sit comfortably in the knowledge that I could be both uh, an academic person and an entrepreneur is the idea that uh, we're all hustling out there. Every yep. CV line is the result of a hustle. Oh, you yes. had to call somebody. Oh, I love that you're bringing that up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you had to make a call. You had to put the submission in. You had to write the application or the job letter or whatever it is. Um, you had to make the connection at the conference. It got you in the invited mm-hmm. talk. I mean, that's all part of it. And the more mm-hmm. I learned about entrepreneurship, the more I realized it's the same sort of thing. Yep. Um, I, I don't know why that it's so looked down on in academia to say that you are of business uh, mm-hmm. or, or have that part of it. And, you know, there are lots of professors who do, you know, like psychology professors who also have, you know, clinical practices. It's yep. not, it's totally normal in some different, diff, yeah, excuse me, some disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, in English, I don't know how common it is. It, it seems not. I, I'm surprised that more professors are not also, you know, writers, but, yeah. you know, that's, that's a story for a different day. Um, but, <laughs> but it was at first, whenever I feel like people don't understand what that is, you know, if I'm in a business context and I say I'm an academic and they don't understand that, then I feel a little nervous. If I'm in an academic context and I say that I'm a, I'm a marketing professional, they're like, what? Oh, mm. you're, part, you're the man. Like, no, not really. But yeah, kind of. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I can be both. Um, and just, I think that that personal development piece where uh, the, 
the advice that my committee gave me over and over and over again when I was getting frustrated about um, the state of diet culture in the world and the pushback I would get about my work when they'd say, well, if you're uncomfortable because people are you know, pushing you, that means that this is necessary. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. So I'm more comfortable now, even if people don't understand saying what I do, because that means that there is space for that and that it's up to me to occupy it. Ooh, taking up space. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah. I love, I love um, the, that because that's a question I had for you too, is the, the idea that our academic skills are transferable and actually, I think, super advantageous <laughs> in this entrepreneur space. So I'd love if you could kind of maybe give us a couple more examples of where you see that overlap. Like what, what skill sets can academics bring to running an online business? And I do want to say too, quickly for those listening and this will probably develop as the podcast develops but um, you know we're talking about running an online business that doesn't actually have that much overhead so I think a misconception I had about business was oh man you have to have this like crazy invent a crazy product that hasn't been invented and then you have to get it sourced like for some reason it was always this physical thing or this brick and mortar thing. And that felt very risky to me. Um, So I just want to point out that Kate and I kind of, we occupy this space that's really actually about selling our services and the skills that we've accumulated over our life um, to help, you know, in some cases, businesses, but in other cases, you know, anybody, um, pretty much anybody that has access to the internet at this point. So I just wanted to, um, I don't know, kind of put that in there because I haven't really said that out loud. Um, but yeah, so what do you think about the skill sets that academics bring to this online entrepreneurship space? I mean, the, the biggest one, I think the most important perhaps is the self-sufficiency and self-starting. I mean, to, to keep a schedule where you complete projects and are able to figure out which things are a priority and which are not and to actually get things done <laughs> that mm-hmm. I think is the most important. And it was something I, you know, I, I'm still early enough in my uh, PhD ness <laughs> I, uh, I just keep talking about my dissertation all the time. The crown. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, you know, to, to go from the idea to the published article or the book or mm. whatever it is, you have to be able to, nobody's, you know, in even tenure, it's like, yeah, you have that, but you'd probably still be okay without it. So the pressure isn't really there. The pressure has to come from inside and you yeah. want to develop a career based on your ideas and your writing. So you have to do the writing and the teaching and the service mm-hmm. to do that. And so online business is the same thing. I, when I hear people talking about, you know, taking massive action and, getting things done and having the hustle. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get it. (laughs) I've been Mm -hmm. working on this for 10 years. (laughs) It's cool. I have no problem taking action. Um, So I think that's the first one. And then also uh, the critical thinking. Yes. Huge. Absolutely. And just to, even when you're evaluating different programs or paths that you might be on, the ability to think through that and make a decision is, mm-hmm. is critical. And I guess in the day-to-day, um, more of the nuts and bolts kind of similar time management and prioritization and 
hopefully writing, although that, that may or may not be, depending on your discipline, a very strong, <laughs> strong suit. The one thing that, yeah. the one skill that I wish more academics wanted to develop and were pressed to develop by their peers and colleagues was networking mm. and actually talking to people about what they do and, and what they're all about because... That's, that's a glaring omission, I think, even for grad students when they go to conferences and don't know how to talk to people about their work. It just it blows my mind <laughs> that that sort of skill is not uh, more developed in our, our grad school population. Yeah, that's interesting because I, you know, I was thinking about how um, you're kind of trial by fire at these business events, but like you could be getting business by your networking. So you kind of do it. But as an academic, you can kind of just like sit in the corner and not and quote unquote, not care. But we all know how how important that is for your work. And, you know, getting that dissertation and nailing all the things you need to nail with that. But um, yeah, that's funny. So I think in like the business space, it's like you kind of have to figure it out. Um, Otherwise, this isn't going to go very well for you. (laughs) But in academic space, you don't necessarily have to. There was another time you brought up in a conversation we've had about personal branding for professors. Do you want to kind of share with the audience a little bit about what you think about that? Like personal branding as an academic and what that might mean since they may not know what that means uh, because we speak that language here in in our online uh, work. Right. Yeah. See, that's another thing where I go, well, doesn't everybody know about this? No, not everyone knows. Um, You know, personal branding to me is just knowing who you are and not necessarily on a deep spiritual level, but literally like, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) And the ability to convey that to other people, whether they're Mm -hmm. your fellow academics or people in a different context. Uh, And I guess it would also be being context aware, you know, using the language of the people that you're with to tell them what you do. You know, I can go to an academic conference and tell people that, you know, I'm a contemporary life writing scholar and I study feminist um, pedagogical methods and tools or whatever. I'm, I'm already sort of losing the language of that. <laughs> oh, you better get back to my... <laughs> yeah, I know. Better get back to my Foucault. Um, <laughs> but when I am in other kinds of contexts, I just have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not a business... I'm a CEO. I can't keep it really mm-hmm. simple. So knowing how to do that, mm-hmm. I think, is very important. Um, and so for academics, I think that this should be a skill <laughs> or, and even just, just the basic, you know, we, we talk a lot about the elevator pitch. It's like, who are you and what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, I am so-and-so. I teach blah, blah, blah. I, I research XYZ sort of thing. And I think we do that at conferences pretty easily you know it's 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 the the way of introduction but if you're in an online if you have a website you know which i think everyone should at least mm-hmm. some kind of pay some sort of presence um it's <laughs> being context aware helps you get opportunities that you might not have Otherwise, because people are now, they understand what you do. You know, if you're a biology professor and you study the such and such habits of the blah, blah, blah frog, uh, cool. But if you can like teach kids about frogs, like maybe your library will call you and say, do a program for us. Like, because they understand what that means. So, you know, it's, it's of course, I'm all about the rhetorical situation, but if you're trying to reach people, you're trying to find certain opportunities or have them find you, 
you need to know who you are and what you mm-hmm. want those opportunities to be. If you don't want to teach kids, don't talk about how much kids love frogs. Like, that's probably not a thing you want as part of your personal branding. Yes, that's really actionable stuff. So I now that I think about it and I'm like, okay, so I have this person who's who's an academic, who is an English background, is a storyteller, is all the things that you are. What what would be some advice or some tips that you would have for like an academic who's considering maybe going like, you know, I'm really good at this and I could see people needing this help. Um, with what you've learned in building your business and what services you provide for um, healthcare professionals, uh, what what tips would you give? Well, I think getting to that point where you think that what you do might help someone is all, you're already winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to get mm-hmm. to that point is so important. And so after that, then what do you do? So getting some kind of presence is key. I know that there are lots of different um, philosophies about social media and whether you need a website or whatever. Um, <laughs> but just to have that place where you can go. And I think that perhaps now more than ever, the and it will continue this way. Now I'm forecasting, but you know, that idea of uh, personality is going mm-hmm. to, to come through. And so if you think that people would be interested in the services that you provide, of course, they're going to want to know who you are. And that's mm-hmm. going to come over time. And it's something that even just a Facebook page, I mean, that's how I got started with taking up space was just posting interesting articles that were relevant to my research or things that I wanted people to know about the work that I do that were posted somewhere else. Um, and just kind of building a community around that. And yes. That's the, you know, you can start that today. That, that's mm-hmm. easy to do and you don't have to post, you know, constantly, but just sharing things that are, that are interesting or writing some little things. Um, it's going to make a big difference over time. And then that will also help you because people ask me questions about on taking up space all the time about things that I think are super easy and simple. Like they'll say, well, I've never set a, a goal that wasn't a weight loss goal. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Well, there's an opportunity for me to help you and, and teach some people about stuff that comes like second nature to me, but mm-hmm. is brand new to someone else. And so that can help you. That's not just a, you know, an audience research sort of thing. It's also uh, a way to find out what you know that other people don't and that, that you can help them with. Um, so that's, that's where I would start. And also, you know, practice writing and saying who you are as many times in as many contexts as necessary. So I know the academic bio can get pretty long, like two or three Mm -hmm. or five pages. But, (laughs) you know, if you had to tell somebody what's your bio in a paragraph or a sentence or a word, you know, these are just some exercises you can do to to have something at the ready. So Mm -hmm. when someone asks you and you're not expecting it, you're going to sound confident Mm -hmm. when you say, like, I'm a researcher, I'm a teacher, I'm a... And whatever it is you want to be. I helped my husband with something like this uh, a little while ago. He's a comic artist and uh, he was just getting started. And he said, well, I, I haven't done anything yet. I can't tell people I'm a comic artist. I said, who's going to know? <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to ask you follow-up questions and interrogate you about, you know, your portfolio. Just if that's what you want to be, tell them you're that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe you're a grad student and you TA three sections of a one-on-one class and you don't feel like a teacher. Or a professor, but if that's that's who you are and that's where you want to be, I'm a teacher. I teach English. Yeah, I teach. You, you know, I love and that. it's 
And yeah. I know we've talked about that too, just the, the identity component and really stepping mm-hmm. into that, which is definitely a thing that comes up in the entrepreneurship and personal development context that we're in. But I think that being having that confidence and, and clarity about who you are and what you do is really important for academics. Yeah. Another advantage I would say too has to do with like us being able to spot frameworks and like theories and like organize ideas in a certain way that like a typical entrepreneur doesn't have to do. I mean, they call them, you might laugh out there as you're listening to this, but they call them thought leaders. <laughs> in thought this leaders. <laughs> Maybe Kate and I can talk about what that means. <laughs> but they talk about this notion of th- thought leadership. And to me, in my head, obviously, as the academic, I'm like biased. And I'm like, well, academics are the original thought leaders. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Uh, however, um, I don't know. I, 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 what I've recently started to put together is this idea that we can actually, because we've, we have a background in theory, because we know what the academic rigor um, and understanding where ideas come from and how they've changed and evolved and how it's connected to other ideas and thoughts. Um, that's important and valuable. Like you're not, you don't just go to college to be like, I need the practical how to do calculus. Like you go to college to also learn the theories behind these things. And lots of people leave that and say, well, that's not practical. Uh, it is in like pushing forward ideas and culture. So anyways, that's something I've been thinking about. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Kate, or like, or also tying it up with this idea of starting where the academic is and seeing how to monetize that. Yeah, it's such, oh man, such a complicated sort of thing, or maybe, maybe it really isn't. I don't know. Maybe it's super simple, but it's, um, you know, being able to talk about what I do and maybe, and by what I do, I mean, not just my research or my teaching, but yeah, what you're saying, not my hobbies or what I'm interested mm-hmm. in. And that has been really important to me because if people don't know I can do it, they don't know I can yes. do it. <laughs> they just don't yep. know. And, um, you know, I, I got my very first client in my business because I put on my website the kind of work that I wanted to do and what I was qualified to do. Oh, yes. Yep. And, and I had a business owner reach out to me and say, hey, uh, I saw this thing on your website that says you want to do this. Uh, let's do that. Oh, well, uh, great. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but had I never said anything, I never would have been able to do it. Right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and I think that we tend, and I certainly did, got caught up in the online portion of online entrepreneurship, which was, <laughs> I got to be on Twitter. And, you know, that was, that was pretty apparent in my advice to like go get a Facebook page. But um, yeah. just being able to talk to people in your world, joining your chamber of commerce or, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, even if you've just started a business or thinking about it, go to a couple of meetings, talk to business owners that you know in your community. I know at least half a dozen small business owners in my life and they're just friends. And so mm-hmm. talking to them about what is it like to have a business or how do I do this sort of thing? Um, you know, they didn't know I was interested in business until I said, you know, I think I'm going to start a business. <laughs> I said, in what? And they're like, well, I don't know, but it, you know, sounds like a good idea. But at least that planted the seed for them that, you know, if they had any business connections for me or if they invited me to something for business owners, you know, that I'd be a part of that. And there is, you know, take it or leave it, this personal development advice, but the idea of stepping into an identity 
is Mm -hmm. really important. If you start thinking about yourself as a person who can monetize their skills and has something to offer the world outside of just teaching and research within academia, then those opportunities are going to be there because that's who you are, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. Um, so that's that's been important to me and that's the kind of advice that I would offer others. And just the, you know, the, the thought leader idea. You know, I have I have lots of snark for academia. I have right. a lot of snark for It goes both ways. And, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. And I yeah. think that's part of the framework is like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what's happening here and the, the pattern spotting and the mm-hmm. ability to read people. And I think too, maybe this is, this isn't something that I see a lot. It's not, it's probably not the dominant uh, ideology or culture in, in entrepreneurship online, but um, the idea that we as thought leaders, <laughs> OG or otherwise <laughs> can influence culture right? like that's mm-hmm. that's the core of my business is using my skills and my ability to to think critically and recognize patterns and the history that I know about different kinds of um, health and wellness cultures to mm-hmm. speak back to it yeah and, Ooh, and be it. a change agent who kind of does that bridging between, okay, yep. here's what you were taught in your, you know, fitness certification about how to reach people. Here's what I know about the world and how the world works. Let's put these two things together and, and make some real change in people's lives. Oh, I love that you bring that up, especially as a marketer, right? So like, you know, getting into the marketing of this space, I I agree. Like there is a lot about disruption around like the typical mainstream way that we see things. And when a business or an entrepreneur or somebody putting their ideas out there challenges the status quo, that gets people to notice. And that, again, to point out, is like the core of marketing, which is something... (laughs) I did not study whatsoever. Um, but once I saw it, like you said, point, you know, you can see the patterns and you're like, oh, you just have to name that mainstream entrepreneurship is going this way if I'm targeting entrepreneurs. What if I talk about it in this way? And then all of a sudden, all these people are like, oh my gosh, what a great way of talking about this thing. So um, yeah, and I think we do that pretty easily or, you know, in academia, right? Like as we pour over these texts and these theories and we, you know, um, you know, become the devil's advocate um, and and stuff like that. And so I think it's just pretty natural in like what we do when we play with ideas, which is, I think, like the core of being an academic. And it's, that's a a well, you know, an accepted thing in entrepreneurship to be able to play with ideas and, um, you know, push boundaries and stuff. So I I love that you tied that together like that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Awesome. So um, yeah, it's been fun hanging out. I would love to kind of wrap up with this idea of where you see yourself going with your business. Like what, as of right now, as of today, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> you know, we'll check back in a couple months, but uh, where, where you see your business going and, um, and you, know, why, you know, why are you doing this? I think we got into a little bit about that, but what are the goals for your business moving forward? And um, if you would wouldn't mind sharing. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm already taking a departure from everything I've been taught about online <laughs> entrepreneurship, which has been courses, courses, courses. Like courses mm. are key and clean. You have to have a course. You have to be able to scale. And I'm kind of over it already. Yep. Ooh, I feel I, you. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of done with courses. <laughs> um, <laughs> in part because, you know, as a teacher, it, this is why the MOOC uh, phenomenon has failed so spectacularly. Yep. Because you give people a course, you give them all the tools they need, everything they need to know, and they don't do it. Yeah. And yep. they're course after course after course. And even when I hear that myself, I'm how many... And I, when I bought my first course, I said, I'm not going to be that person who buys a course <laughs> and then doesn't do it. I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. They're like, no, there are only so many hours in the day. And, you know, it's become really important for me to just get the information I need and go. Yeah. Or get, get the done-for-you service and go. Um, so my business uh, is not course-based right now. I'm taking on one-on-one clients and doing copywriting and um, community engagement strategy for them. But what I want to do in the next year or so is host more workshops and in-person I love that. events. Maybe it's a writing circle or maybe it's some sort of brainstorming writing development event um, because I think that that's the most um, it's it's again that idea of taking up space and holding space like I can give you a course I can teach you how to do this or I can put you in a room and we're going to sort this out right now (laughs) we're going to get it done (laughs) yeah so I would love to do more of that and um, more more speaking I I want to uh, so with my business and being um, helping people who transform people's lives <laughs> and helping them reach their clients in a meaningful way. Um, just being there in person, you know, like mm-hmm. show me what it's like to be a client of yours, you know, um, take, take me to these spaces. And I'm, I'm really into the, the personal aspect of it. And also, um, you know, just, just, Cut into the chase. Let me let me help you get what you need. Yep. <laughs> I'll write it for you. I'll help you write it. We'll get it done. It's fine. Um, so that that's the goal. And I teasingly tell people it's not really teasing. That's that's a super secret. It's not all that secret or special. Um, but you know, I have always pictured myself not just in business but in life as as a, I don't want to say thought leader. It's not really a thought leader. I know, right? Um, but when I walked into that um, technology conference, I said, the next time I come back, okay, maybe not the next time, but I'm going to come back here as a speaker one day. Oh, uh-huh. And um, I think that through my business and leading those workshops and getting the speaking experience and just being the leader that I know I am, uh, is going to put me on stage in front of thousands of people. So, you know, I'm, I'm not that interested in talking about how many courses I sell over mm-hmm. a launch period or anything like that. Not to say that that's not valuable or a, a, a legitimate core of other mm-hmm. people's business. It's just not my business. Mm-hmm. And so I think even more than um, being comfortable with the identity of being an academic and an entrepreneur, being okay with the identity of someone who has a different business model yep. <laughs> is a little bit more challenging in these spaces um, ah. because I'm, tr- I'm kind of forging my own path in some ways at this because uh, yeah. I, I hear the things that you're supposed to do and I go, eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> when everyone around me is going, yes, I need to do that. Do I? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. 
Um, so that's the vision. More clients, more work, more life changing um, in whatever <laughs> no in person, deal. right? No big deal. Just in whatever way that that presents itself. Yeah. I, you should follow Brianne Dick, actually, who likely will be on this podcast yeah. at some point. She was an instructional desire, a designer. Um, and Ooh, she fantastic. talks about scaling. And she says, you know, she says, you do not have to scale the only... Uh, you do not have to scale with a course. That is, the on, that is not the only way to scale. And that very high-touch, intimate-like environments and um, either one-on-one or workshops and events are scalable. So... Um, High-touch. That's a... Yeah. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because it. you're bringing up and you know for those of you who aren't you know into the ins and outs of entrepreneurship you know there's lots of models out there but a very popular one is course creation which I happen to be in um, and I'm helping entrepreneurs in that but it's definitely not the only model and you know with anything there are ebbs and flows and it used to be the magic bullet like two years ago and now (laughs) there's so many courses out there and so um you know kate's bringing up this idea that like everyone has one yeah everyone has one and most of them are really bad so (laughs) what we're dealing with is not only like course overload but like bad course overload and it there's a mixture and i'll probably talk about it at a later date but um uh but i agree with you man and i think i think people are now starting to go how can i really serve these people in front of me um in a in a way that gets them to that transformation because throwing a lecture video with some worksheets at them doesn't doesn't make you know transformation um and so i think if that's what we truly want and for some like you mentioned too like for some people they don't want the they don't care if their person gets the true transformation they offered their product at whatever price point and you chose to opt in for it and therefore fine but um i think if you have this deep calling to make a transformation that has to do with you know seeing yourself and taking up space i mean these things that are like the the core of of being human and like challenging, um, you know, negative, uh, damaging self-esteem tied to weight and um, all of that. I mean, that's like deep shit, man. And you, you need your client to like finish that course for that transformation to happen. So you can't yeah. put something out there that some people finish. It just wouldn't work for you. Well, and the, the thing too, this is kind of a a mini rant I'm realizing Mm -hmm. now is that when I finish my PhD and I work in IT and I'm a technology trainer and instructional technologist. So when people would say like, well, are you going to teach now? I'm like, I teach every day. (laughs) Every minute of my life, I'm teaching Mm -hmm. something. something. I have a Mm -hmm. four-year-old, so I do a lot of teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think that this idea that that you... um, have to have a course to teach people something. Ooh, I love that. I is love it. not necessarily true. And nope. and I the more we acknowledge the different ways to teach people things and 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 the other thing <laughs> about the teaching in the course is um there's this idea that learning something has to be difficult or take a lot of time or Ooh. you know be this ongoing process when you know you can read one of my posts about goal setting and learn how to set a goal and mm-hmm. it took you three seconds and now you have you know something you didn't know before so mm-hmm. it's not just the it's the 
the the struggle and I think that comes up in academics a lot where it's like well you have to struggle and you have to come to a realization mm. and you have to do this like no you can you can teach people how to do something in lots of different ways and it doesn't make it any more or less valid because it was packaged as a course and you are labeled as a teacher or a professor um there are lots of different ways to do that. And um, I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, you were talking about the trends of the, the course being a couple of years ago, but, um, it, and it's also what, what you're doing so well is helping people teach because mm-hmm. it's not, even though it can be easy and it can be something that happens quickly, it's not something, it is a skill and it's not something mm-hmm. that everyone has or has the interest in developing they're they're just so laser focused on i have to have the course it's like okay Mm -hmm. well then what are you actually teaching people and is this Mm -hmm. the right way to teach them that Mm -hmm. so that that was my rant about teaching yes i i teach every day (laughs) all the time I feel like it's such a good way to end the podcast too, because I'm like, yes, like mic drop. It goes both ways because the academic is like teaching isn't only in the institution. That's been my big, I mean, I knew that, but then now it's like, I'm living that like teaching doesn't have to happen because someone signs up for SOCH 101 and is accepted into this college and there's paperwork and like, which all provide great boundaries and lanes for the students to go in and a very clear path of what they want to achieve, which is missing in this entrepreneur space, which I do think increases the, you know, uh, or decreases the completion rate. But I just, just pointing out this idea that literally education and teaching is everywhere. Um, and, and I think having a business and providing a service pretty much is that. (laughs) So we're back to the beginning. Can you communicate what you do? Can you like be concise? Um, you know, can you put yourself out there and really start, you know, a business outside of academia? Because there is, you can teach and, and your knowledge can and does belong outside of journals and, you know, the four walls of your classroom. It absolutely belongs outside of journals. One hundred percent tested. Oh God! Get it out That's of journals. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. You should have oh, the journal no. roundtable where we all talk about. Journals. I don't even like all my gut. All of a sudden, just like turned on itself and was like, I just never want to talk about that again. Like, could we please? Um, awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much. Um, how can people find you, uh, learn more about what you do? Cause I feel like you're going to be a, a great bridge for them as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, the best place to find me right now is on Facebook at Taking Up Space with Kate Brown. You can find out more about my creative service agency before and more at beforeandmore.co. Awesome. And I'll have links under show notes or something like that, which professional podcasters do. All right. Because <laughs> that is me. <laughs> I'm, I'm owning that. Um, awesome, Kate. Thanks so much. And it was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.